Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast, specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country. Now, here's your host, James Landry. Welcome to the Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and professional analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm your host, James Landry, and I'm glad you chose to listen in today, especially today, because today we bring you episode number two in our new series of the Palace Perspective podcast called The Extraordinary Life Series. Now, we like to talk to interesting people on this podcast, and I have joining with me today one of my colleagues here at Palace Capital Advisors, Joe Colin. Joe, thanks for joining us. Hey, James. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, you're a wonderful human being, but you're not the person I'm actually interviewing today. Rather, joining you and me on the podcast today is a friend of yours that many people may recognize. We are sitting down today with none other than Jenny Thompson, the most decorated female Olympic swimmer in history, with eight golds, three silver, and one bronze for a total of 12 Olympic medals. And that's not counting all of her world championships. So some background on Jenny, if you need it. When Jenny finished her swimming career following the 2004 Olympic Games, she was, as I said, the most decorated U.S. Olympian with 12 medals, eight of them being gold. From 1992 to 2004, she competed in four different Olympic teams, winning gold medals, all as a member of relay teams. But in the process, she set 15, that is 15 world records, mostly in individual events. In 1999, Way back then, she broke one of the swimming uh, world's most revered records, and that was Mary T. Meager's 18-year-old world record in the 100-meter butterfly. And I believe, if I'm not wrong, and Jenny will correct me, I think she broke that record actually four different times to set the record. So she is just just fabulous individual and just amazing at what she has accomplished in the swimming world. And uh, I have a daughter. Actually, I've had several children who swam one of them semi-competitively at the high school level. I can't imagine what it would be like to have someone in a family that swam at the elite, the, at the very top level like Jenny. So Jenny actually back in the uh, mid 80s to early 90s swam for Mike Parado in Dover, New Hampshire. I used to live there, so familiar with that area. She then swam for Richard Quick at Stanford University where she accrued 19 individual and relay NCAA national titles. Of course, you would expect this, Jenny didn't stop after her swimming career. She obtained a medical degree and is now an anesthesiologist practicing medicine. So that means we are talking to Dr. Jenny Thompson, the most decorated U.S. female swimmer ever, a medical doctor, wife, and mother of two. Jenny, welcome. Thank you so much. What a wonderful introduction. Yes, it's a little intimidating. I don't have any medals to my name. So uh, I'm just going to throw that out there and say, all right. I, I don't, I can't compete, but it's just fascinating to speak with you. Of course, we just had the U.S. Olympics just a few, it seems like a month or so ago. And so yeah. we were all engrossed in watching that. Saw you being interviewed. I think it was on CBS or ABC and it was just, just been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit. And I think the listeners will really enjoy getting to know more about you. So Joe, before we go further, maybe you tell us a little bit about how you and Jenny met. Yeah, well, I'm with you, James. I don't have any medals either. But but Jenny and I got to know each other through a wonderful charitable organization called uh, Swim Across America. A good friend of mine was one of the original founders. And of course, 
How do I know that good friend? Not through swimming, but through hockey. And one of Jenny's good friends and former what college teammate and Olympian Janelle Jorgensen, who yeah. was, I think, executive director of Swim Across America. She got Jenny involved. I was involved. And we got to know each other through that organization. So good way, good way to uh, meet some really good people and do some good. I, I think we've got 20 minutes here. And so let's try to cover about 16 years if we can uh, <laughs> in 20 minutes, or maybe even more than that. Let's go back, if we can, Jenny, to 1992. Okay. Your first Olympics, right? And I think just before that, as I read, you had just recently set, uh, broken or set the world record in the 100-meter uh, butterfly, I think it was. Freestyle, and, yeah. Freestyle. Oh, was it freestyle? Yeah. Okay, freestyle. So 100-meter freestyle, you're the world record holder, and every expectation was you were going to go in there and come away with a gold medal. And you did fantastic in that Olympics, but you came away with silver. That's and, right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there was some, there was some, uh, I'd say drama behind that. Right. Um, take us back to that and, and what happened. Right. So just a little bit of background before that, I had just started my freshman year at Stanford and was swimming with Richard and some amazing athletes such as Summer Sanders, Lee Loveless, just all the, the women at Stanford were amazing swimmers and amazing people. So I had great training partners and going to those Olympic trials, they were in March of that year, six months before the Olympics. I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I had success in high school. I had been a national champion, I believe, and had placed fourth at the prior Olympic trials, but I just did, didn't really know what to expect. My 100 freestyle was the very first event of the Olympic trials that year. And I set the world record in the morning, the, my very first swim. So it was, I, I kind of blew my own mind away. I looked up at the scoreboard and I, I mean, I had dropped so much time and uh, it was just a surreal experience. The, and then to go back to the finals that evening and then make the top two, it was a little bit stressful. Like, wow, I just broke the world record, but that doesn't mean anything at the Olympic trials you have to place top two. And thankfully I won, but and made the Olympics. So that was amazing. So the next six months I was full on training for those Olympics. Everything was going great. And then went to the Olympics is my first one. It was very exciting, very overwhelming in a lot of ways, but I was ready to go. And again, my event was on the first day and I qualified in the top Two, I can't remember exactly, but out of nowhere was uh, a swimmer from China who I had not ever heard of before, who had not been in the top rankings going into those Olympics. If she was, she wasn't right there at the top, maybe 10, 15, 20, but not one of the top contenders. And so that was surprising. But anyway, yeah, in the finals, I had a, a great swim. It, I didn't time my best time. If I had, I would have won. But I got second to that swimmer from her swim raised a lot of eyebrows because to, to get that much improvement in a short amount of time or come out of nowhere like that, people suspect doping. Right. And so that was the drama. That was the controversy. And at that time in the Olympics, they weren't necessarily testing the gold medalist for doping. Hey, Urine, that's that's uh, interesting. Why would they test? Why would they not test the gold medalist. I'm trying to put my best foot forward and say, Hey, I represented my country the best I could. And I got a silver. I'm proud of that. Obviously I have some degree of disappointment, 
But my real big beef with the whole thing was that they didn't test the gold medalist for doping. And I feel like that should be, every gold medalist should be tested because that's the real money of the Olympics. That's yeah. the real deal. Because with the win comes all the, the, uh, the glory. Yeah. yeah. The, the benefits. The sponsors. <laughs> People yeah. don't tend to remember yeah. other, other places. <laughs> Well, they started, I think, after those games, they made a change, right? I mean, they started testing everyone, yes. right? I believe so. I can't right. I can't guarantee that answer, but I believe yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's tough to be disappointed with silver in the gold medal in the Olympics. I mean, that is your first Olympics, but it was the first of many great things to come. Right. Uh, no, of course, you didn't know that at the time. But uh, I imagine that would have been difficult, especially if you suspected it was unfair. Exactly. And I had to sort of compartmentalize my disappointment and kind of deal with it, but, but kind of put that aside and say, what can I learn from this? How can I improve? How can I win next time? Right. And well, somehow you did, eight. because in 96, you came back to Atlanta, and I think there were three gold medals in that Olympics, uh, the 4x100 yeah. free, 4x100 medley, and the 4x200 free. That's right. Um, yeah. So, and I remember those Atlanta games. I'm trying to think there was something where I was at, at, in 96, but that was the time where they had the scare, right? Right. The bombing outside, if I recall. So did that have any impact in you as a competitor? No, the the swimming had ended by that point. Yeah. And truth be told, we were out in Buckhead, the the, yep. the party area right, <laughs> of right, right. celebrating. And uh, we at that time our our communication mode was pagers. So we're all sitting all the swimmer, some of the American swimmers are sitting around at a table and all of a sudden everyone's pager just starts going off. Emergency, emergency, get back to the village. And then we found out later what had happened. Yeah. Surreal. Thankfully, no one was injured. Janet Evans, one of my teammates, was doing an interview very close to where it happened, and she experienced some like glass breaking and stuff like that, but she also yeah. was uninjured. Well, and then four years later, you're back in Sydney, and my understand, I think you've referred to uh, the fact that swimmers in Australia are treated like royalty. Yes. <laughs> uh, is is that like the NFL in Australia? Swimmers are like pro football players there? Why, yes. why are they treated like royalty? I, I'm not sure exactly. It's just historically, Australia loves the sport of swimming. If you go there, you will see Olympic-sized pools everywhere. And they just have a lot of admiration for the work that goes into the sport and appreciate um, what the athletes are doing. They've tended to have very successful athletes as far back as, I don't know, before, way before my time. And I don't know, it, it, they are like celebrities. Like when I was there, there would be swimmers on the front pages of the tabloid and, or on the front pages of People Magazine equivalent, like that kind of a thing. Like that's the level of notoriety they had there. So I always lamented, say, man, if I was Australian, I'd be so rich. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've grown up or I've lived in, in New England for many, many years now. And of course, if you're living in New England, you're, you're a Tom Brady, or at yeah. least you may not be a fan, but you're at least a follower. And so it was always back in the day, it was Brady versus, Brady versus Manning, quarterback duel. Was there ever a, a Jenny versus somebody for you? Well, yeah, I mean, so different years, different people. One of, one of probably the best rivalries I had was with Susie O'Neill. 
and she's a wonderful woman, a very kind person, very mild mannered. And she was this amazing butterflyer in Australia. And so in the late nineties, we were very competitive and I actually broke the world record that you had mentioned, Mary T. Maher's record in Sydney racing her. So that was pretty okay. cool. Not for her. She pushed you to break that record. Possibly. Exactly. Yeah. We yeah. had a very good rivalry. It was very yeah. respectful. Yeah. One of the things I've, I appreciate about swimming as a parent with children that have swam together, it's, it's a very collegial sport, at least at our level as parents with children. Right. There are 100% encouraging each other, especially the girls yep. all the time. It's a very team-oriented sport. And that's something as a, as a parent, you really appreciate seeing your child develop through that. So after the uh, Sydney Olympics, I think you see that was 2000. The next four years, you're breaking world records. I think the 100 meter butterfly you broke for the fourth time. And then you retired from competition and moved to New York City to start medical school. Do I have those I, facts right? Yeah. So um, going into 2000, I had been doing a post baccalaureate and pre medical degree, you know, kind of certificate. I graduated from Stanford, but didn't have all the requirements for medical school. So I did a post-baccalaureate program at Mills College in Oakland, California. And so I had been accepted to Columbia Medical School, but knowing that I you know, was likely going to qualify for the Olympics, and they were kind enough to allow me to defer a year. So I already knew going into 2000 that I was going to be going to medical school and that I would be starting the following year. And um, after 2000, I, I retired. And then after a series of events, including 9-11, which occurred very shortly after I moved to New York City. Right. And then my mom being diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Swimming was a way to relax for me. It was a meditative event sure. for me. Yeah. And when I went back home to New Hampshire after my first year of medical school, I started swimming with, my, with Mike Parado, you mentioned, mm -hmm. on my high school team, mainly because I love them. I love Mike and Amy and enjoy spending time with them and it was just a happy place for me so if I could ask you so you're swimming with high schoolers yes uh, it, they must have been totally psyched to have you there yeah they were totally psyched and I love young people yeah. um, and kids so it was fun for me as well did you slow down a little bit just to give them, you know, a chance to keep up? <laughs> Once you get in the groove and a workout, yeah. you just do what you do. Yeah. You know, kind of, I, I, I hope that I inspired them to try harder. Oh, I'm sure you did. So anyway, that led to, I, I ended up qualifying for nationals and then going with Seacoast swimming to the nationals that summer and winning. And so because I won that, I qualified for various international competitions, then it kind of just snowballed to the point where I asked my medical school if I could take a year off and they were very gracious and allowed me to do that. So yeah, I made a comeback. It was sort of by accident. You know, in listening to you tell the story, it sounds like, oh, I, I did this and I did that. It sounds like it was easy. You just qualified, but I have to believe <laughs> there were just hours, days where you just worked, worked, worked to to put yourself in a position to swim as competitively as you did. Yeah. And I think the experience and the wisdom that I brought to that point was a major advantage. And also mm -hmm. I'm a sprinter. So I'm not grinding out miles and miles and miles and miles when I train. I'm more focusing on speed mm -hmm. and being efficient in the water. 
So it was hard work, but I wouldn't, it was, it was, it's always fun. And if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. So it was a really great break from, from the grind of studying for medical school. Uh, It was a refreshing break. And it made me realize actually that how fun it is to swim and how much, how lucky I am to be able to do that and to travel and make really have relationships with people because I I can't imagine the stuff you saw and you got to experience in just going to the games, not just the Olympics, but the championships. So you come out of retirement in time for the 2004 Olympics. And at that time, you're the oldest member of the U S swimming and diving team, not, I think male and female. Right. And so you're the oldest member of the team and you you're you still manage to come up with two silver medals in those games the last two olympic medals is that right that's right it was a it was a very bittersweet olympics Uh, my mom had passed away in february of that year and so that was difficult for me because we were very close she loved watching my swimming and obviously i was very sad so and it was i knew it was going to be my last olympics i knew that once that I completed yeah. those that I wanted to get back to my medical training. So knowing that it was my last one, missing my mom, and then it being in Greece, the birthplace of the Olympics, it was all, it was good closure for me. Was that the most special of the Olympic games you'd been to? I think they were all special in their own way, but I think because of the reasons I just mentioned, it, it was it was very special. Obviously, I would have loved to come away with a couple more golds, but honestly, the medals has never been a driver for me. It's more about the experience and the competition and racing and the memories that I form with the people I meet there and my teammates and coaches. What, where, where do you think, I mean, were you born with this competitive drive or is this something that (laughs) you just, you just I think you have to be, I just, I, I enjoy training more because I get to hang out with my buddies, but, and I enjoy pushing myself and trying to improve, but racing is what I really enjoy. So I could be going the same times as, is my, as other girls or women I'm swimming with in practice. But then when I step on the, up on the block, it's like, there's another dimension for me. Like I just, it, I, I just plan to win. And so I just really love racing. I, I heard you say once that you've kind of have broken up your career, whether it's swimming or medical career into these four year kind of segments, yeah, like every four years right. of the Olympics, four years of medical school, four years of residency, so to speak. So when you look at life as a whole, that is a little bit of a small chunk of time and is a sprinter's mindset is so small blocks. Are you, you what, what four-year phase are you working on now? I, I kind of ran out of four-year phases working okay. through getting my kids to um, to their sports and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about my life. Getting to work on time, getting my kids to their activities and then press repeat for the next day. I think my life now is, is all about work and family and, and being, helping my kids to be as successful as they want to be or able to be. So it's definitely a shift. Yeah. And and it's, it's always a balancing act between work and your roles as a wife and as a mother, as a leader in the, in the community. How, how do you I mean, deal with that if you don't mind just sharing that with us, because <clears throat> that's something I think would we could all learn from. How do you do it so successfully? Or at least give us the appearance that you do it successfully. Well, I think that I, I take a lot of the wisdom I learned from 
swimming, I always had to time manage very efficiently. So when I was training several hours in high school and college, I would have to manage my time very efficiently. And, and that's the only way to get all the work done. So I think that I've taken that to this part of my life. I, I make a lot of lists and I just take things and I try to take things in stride, not to get too worried about things that are just look at the big picture and not get caught up in details. I don't watch too much TV. So I try to manage my time as best I can. So what would you tell someone that's go back to your 1992 Barcelona self, right? Someone who's that age, kind of at the beginning of their career, whether it be in sports or something else, what would you mm-hmm. tell that person about setting priorities and, mm-hmm. and making goals and, and reaching those? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's important to have goals and it's important to have short-term goals and then big picture goals. I would say never be afraid to be ambitious, especially for girls. I feel like there's taboo about being or outwardly being ambitious in, in your passions and your, and, and your life. So I would say don't shy away from that and just try to maintain a positive attitude as much as possible and be proud of yourself and work hard. I know through your travels, you must have met some really kind of interesting people or cool people. Any experiences that really stuck out to you as just, wow, that was amazing. Other than swimming and winning the golds. Right. No, I mean, the most amazing people I've met are maybe not famous. And so their names might not mean too much to you, but just traveling and meeting people from all over the world becoming friends with swimmers from all over the world, learning what their cultures are like and what their lives are like. I think that has formed the person I am being, you know, interested in travel and appreciative of different kinds of people. But I did have some fun, kind of glamorous times after the Olympics. I think after 2000 maybe was the um, peak of that. So I was able to be on or invited to be on several different game shows and talk shows and Jay Leno. I was on the Jay Leno show. I was on Hollywood squares and who wants to be a millionaire. I got to meet important political figures like Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama. I actually met after I was retired, but went to watch London games. So I've, yeah, I've been blessed and able to have some of those really fun, unique experiences. Maybe I'll add in with one last question. And it's been great, Jenny. So thank you. Every one of us growing up has heroes. And I'm sure for a lot of young swimmers, probably girl swimmers, you've been a hero for those people. But if I were to ask you, who's your hero or who was your hero? Who is your hero? What would you say? Definitely my mom. She she went through a lot in her life. She was born in Berlin during the time of World War II. Her mom was American. They were able to get back to the United States safely, but she was a very strong person, very independent woman, and she taught that those traits to me. And other than my mom, I always say, I, I always looked up to Wonder Woman. She was sort of like my comic book hero. <laughs> The, um, the, the 1970s show that Wonder Woman is that or yeah or who that yeah, was I have three yeah. older brothers they're yeah. very into comic okay. books so yeah Wonder Woman is an easy one for me and then I I used to also say I like to be try to be my own hero and I think that's good advice to others not to try to copy what other people do 
but to find what makes you special and and become a hero of your that's great and and shout out to all the uh moms out there unsung heroes in many cases but um doing heroic things all day long even if it's taking kids back and forth to soccer practice right um, <laughs> definitely which i know my you wife is a parent and allow yeah. yeah you know your kids to shine in the way that my mom allowed me and my brothers to it's pretty that's special. great all right jenny we got a quick lightning round here for you all right all right i'm ready all right favorite vacation spot uh, st john all right favorite city to visit I'm going to go with Paris. You're heading to the beach for the day with a bunch of friends and your family. You're on cooler duty. What do you pack? IPA. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's why we're good friends right there. All right. (laughs) Most frequently listened to station on Pandora or Spotify? Uh, Definitely 80s. What's your pet peeve? Loud chewing. (laughs) What's sports team? Or slow people on the sidewalk. (laughs) What sports teams are you rooting for right now? I don't follow any team very well, but, you know, always is going to go with the New England teams. If you get an afternoon to yourself, what do you do? It's been so long. She can't remember. To get a pedicure. All right. Boring. (laughs) Well, hey, listen, I thought there were some alternative answers there, so that was pretty good. At least it's something for yourself. Yeah, thanks for doing this. That's great. Thank you, Joe. And thank you, Jenny. I think that's going to do it for this round. And Jenny, I can't, again, thank you enough for your time with us today for our second in a series called An Extraordinary Life. And certainly wish you and your family the best down south and enjoy the rest of, well, I think today's the first day of fall. So enjoy the rest of the nice weather, although I know it's a lot longer down there. Yeah, to all of you out there listening, thank you for listening. You can reach out to us at our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com. That's P-A-L-L-A-S, capitaladvisors.com. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much, Jenny. Thanks, Joe. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You should consult the legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based on publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only, is not personalized investment advice, and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security security, sector, or strategy to any individual person or entity. Investment advice offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor.